0: Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. Laura Terrell. Laura was a partner at Paul Hastings and DLA Piper, not just any partner, but an equity partner. Laura, welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. Thanks,
1: Alay. It's great to be with you.
0: I'm really excited to have you on the show today because so many attorneys you know, aspire to become lawyers. And then when that happens, the next step is they aspire to become partners. But very few attorneys have achieved the success that you've achieved. I would love to hear about What would you say were some of the things that you did that allowed you and set you up to have that level of success?
1: I think there are fundamentally, of course, lawyers need to have a great practice, be savvy attorneys, really skilled in their practice, really understand what their clients are looking for, and have a sense of how they can set themselves apart in terms of their skills and capabilities. But let's assume you have all that because I think most attorneys feel hey i'm I'm pretty good at understanding trial litigation in this particular area or I'm really great with deal work or I'm terrific at being able to really understand the nuances of trust in a state law in the state where I practice. But the added value that I really felt that I had to learn and which I recommend to so many people, is really understanding the business of law, because law is a business. And I know you talk about this a lot. You've had a number of great guests who've spoken to that. But I am a big believer that understanding the business of law is as critical to your success in a firm as being a good, savvy, talented, practicing lawyer.
0: I love that. And by the business of law, what aspects of the business do you think are most relevant?
1: What most lawyers don't understand is what they most need to know, and that's really the financial expectations of their firms and how they meet those expectations. So that's everything from what's the kind of profile of a client that my firm is looking for? Are there certain rates or certain financial arrangements that fit well with the firm's overall revenue and profitability expectations? What's the level of hours that I'm expected to commit? What's the division of labor for me in doing business development versus doing practicing attorney work? And how do I find the balance on those? And why do things like time management, making sure you enter and bill your time, collect from your clients, set the right arrangements, avoid excessive discounts or excessive write-offs on your bills? Why do those things matter so much? It took me a long time to learn that when I was on my way to being a partner And part of it was just asking the questions of other partners about why this was important. If you've never handled a bill, for example, and you've never seen what write-offs can do to your bottom line and your margin of profitability, it's hard for you to understand why it really matters that you build 10 hours on a project that maybe should have required three. And, Alay, I really think this is relevant no matter the size of the firm you're at either in big law firms or in smaller law firms or in medium-sized firms, even in a solo practice, understanding where you're losing the capability to meet those revenue profitability expectations and how you can mend that gap is so critical.
0: I I couldn't agree any more with that statement. It's awesome. Love it. And yeah, I think so. There are and I'm not a lawyer, so I don't have the context, Laura, that you do. But it seems to me that if someone is being asked to hit a certain billable hours target, or they're being asked to keep their write downs to a certain percentage, or a certain absolute number of hours, um, or they're being asked to do these things, track their time, why do I have to enter time contemporaneously? You know, Why do I have to go out and do business development? These are questions that if people have they should go ahead and ask the questions to get an answer so they understand why they're being asked to do it to begin with. To me, that just seems really obvious. And it's probably because most of my experience is actually in Silicon Valley. We're very encouraged to ask questions. We are supposed to know what we're doing because when we know the why behind what we're being asked to do, we're better able to course correct. We're better able to create. We're better able to adapt. and We're better, better able to get the job done what is it about maybe traditional law firms where this continues to be such a mystery to so many attorneys?
1: Well, first off, most attorneys would say, I didn't go to law school to run a business. I didn't go to law school to do finance. I went to law school so I could be a practicing lawyer. But in a model where you're part of a company or a partnership, or you're responsible even for your own bottom line, figuring out what it is about what you are providing in the marketplace. Can make money. And how do you make that money in a meaningful way? Is a question I think a lot of attorneys are not used to asking. And they need to get comfortable with that. In Silicon Valley, if you have a great new SaaS application that you're looking to roll out, one of your first questions is going to be how do we make money with this? And what does that really mean? It's not just a top line revenue, it's what your expenses are, your operating, your marketing, what's your scalability? In this app? What's your scalability in whatever the product is you have? And one of the things I talk about with lawyers is I've really found it's no different in lawyering. It's you're providing a service, you're providing something that you're competitive with in the market. Maybe you have some of the true experts that set you apart, or maybe you have ways of working that really make you more efficient or more cost-effective for your clients. So you've identified a need. Now it's up to you to try to figure out how you make that profitable in a meaningful way. Lawyers sometimes talk about things like, well, you know, I make a lot of money. I bring in a lot of clients and they're really terrific clients. They're blue chip, they're great. They pay at top rates, they're reliable. But if you haven't looked at the underlying numbers for those clients and you really need to do that, you might be surprised that they may not be the money-making generator that you expect. For example, if you have a client that you bill $200,000 over the course of a year, but you only collect $150,000 of that, and it's cost you one hundred and seventy dollars to do the work and expenses and the other costs that you incur, you haven't made any money. And I find that can often be a foreign concept for some lawyers who are not used to thinking about those kinds of calculations. So I think you have to get comfortable with the numbers. You also have to start looking at your practice as a business and having a real business mindset. It's not just that you could maybe take that client from 200000 to 500000 Scalability is great, but the profit margin has to come with it in order for you to be a business proposition, both in your own right and to a larger firm if you're part of a practice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to go back to this idea of asking these questions because you did. And you got answers, and those answers help propel your career. Why is it that you were asking those questions when maybe so many of your peers didn't? Fill me in on that.
1: You know, It's a great question, Alay. And I think one thing that comes up in law school is a lot of people go to law school feeling that just like they might go to business school, thinking that this is really going to be a valuable degree. This is something that I can market. And when they come out of there, in law school, you've gotten a lot of accolades. Maybe you've been on law review, or you've gotten a great clerkship, or you've gotten an offer from a terrific firm, and you're used to getting that pat on the head, if you will, or that straight A mentality of how you've succeeded to date. And when you go to a law firm, what is the first thing law firms tell you? Just do good work. Learn the law, the area of law and the practice that you're in, and do good work. And you should be doing that, but it's not enough. And I think without giving lawyers the information that, yes, it does matter how you run your practice and how others are running the practice when you're not in a position to bring in work, but you're working on clients for them, you need to be able to understand that. So I think some of it is the background mentality coming out of law school. Hey, I'm a lawyer. I've got this great credential. I have a lot of savvy that people will pay me for because lawyers have specialized knowledge. And I'm being told, just do a good job, just do your work. Sometimes in firms, newly minted lawyers have a tendency to keep their head down and say, I'm just doing great work, and I got good reviews, and I got good compensation this year. But what does my future look like? Sometimes isn't a question that people start asking until much later in their careers. And I think if you look at, for example, the Silicon Valley model, more people are thinking, hey, I'm I'm seeing how other people have scaled a business, or I'm also seeing the volatility that might happen in the tech industry and in certain portions. How do I prepare myself for that? How do I get my hands around how I make myself marketable? How my business skills look in the rest of this industry and this sector? And lawyers are a little more insular about that. I also think they're a bit shy about asking questions they might not like the answer to. If you're trying to figure out your path to partnership and one of the things you're told is we expect our partner candidates to bring in a certain amount of business and it needs to have a profit margin of 81%, 83%, whatever it is. Your, is. I'm sorry, realization, 83%, that would be a lot of profit. That would be a lot of profit, yeah. That a lot of profit. Yeah. Lot of profit. 80, 83% realization and a profit margin of maybe 9 or 10%. You need to be getting familiar with those numbers, but you may look at your numbers and you may think, I've never thought about this, or my numbers don't look like that, or I just don't see how I could bring in that business, or my business doesn't measure up. And I think they're afraid of what that answer is rather than saying, hey, that answer gives me information that can actually put me on the path to figuring out, can I be a partner at this firm? Do I need to pivot or adjust my working practices to be able to get myself on that path? Or is this firm maybe not a good fit with me because the kind of work I'm doing doesn't achieve those margins, but it might be something I could do at a smaller firm or in a solo practice. It's about finding the right fit. And that's applicable in any career, whether you're at a big Fortune 500 company or you're at a startup in venture capital world, you need a sense of how you fit or what works for you. And you've got to ask those questions to get there. But I think lawyers are sometimes a bit scared to see A negative answer. Because again, they've been used to that positive reinforcement.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so many times they're very focused on, you know, being knowing everything and being the person in the know. And there's a lot that's wrapped up that goes into that. Attorney entrepreneurs, I want you to listen up here. I don't do this with many of my guests, but I did want to do this with Laura and share a couple of highlights from Laura's background. So first thing you should know about Laura is that she was an equity partner, not just (laughs) not just at Paul Hastings, but also at DLA Piper. Another thing you should know about Laura is she has managed teams across multiple countries and served as the top advisor to so many large companies like Fortune 500 companies. And she was also a special assistant to the president at the White House. So Laura has done it at every level and she's done an amazing job of it. Laura, what would you say are some of the things that you did that made a difference in your career? Take us through that.
1: In a lot of respects, when I worked with clients around the world and in different markets, I was always trying to figure out what was important to them, what was meaningful in their business, what were the unique challenges I needed to understand that they had, whether that was in China or in the Middle East or in London or in the US. I was trying to really assess what were their special needs, what was it that was keeping them up at night, What was it that they needed me to listen to? I think one thing that's a temptation for lawyers to do is say, hey, I've got a great solution for you. Let me tell you how I'm going to solve your problem. And clients are sitting on the other side of the table sometimes thinking, no, that's not really my problem. That's something that you perceive. But let me tell you what really is on my mind or how I want you to understand and view this. Maybe the issue you're seeing needs to be viewed through the lens of a new acquisition and A new company that's going to change the landscape for a bigger company. It's going to require some redundancies. It's going to require some changes in employment. It's going to require some new ways of working. It's going to require a whole new rollout in a market that we haven't done before. So start thinking about that. Get my business concerns in line with your legal points and make sure you're thinking about both of them. I found that incredibly valuable working with businesses all over the world. In government, I think it's a slightly different view. But it's also meaningful to me and that one of the things I learned working in a very high-level position in the U.S. government was the importance of, again, understanding what the priorities are, where your role fits within that. If you're being asked to pivot from one issue to the next, be aware of that. Don't get so fixated on your pet project or something that you thought was really important. Events, developments in the world, developments in the U.S. economy, shifts can really change what the priorities are for the one client you're working for in that instance, and really thinking about how you meet that challenge. I'm a big fan of also stepping up to challenges and opportunities. Don't get so fixed on something that you think has been really your signature and so that you're not willing to see other opportunities and other possibilities on your horizon. There might be something else that you could transform those skills into. And for me, that was always a real calling in my career was to be aware of that and to seize those moments when I could.
0: Awesome. And Laura, one part that's no doubt helped you in your career is building a book of business. And you've clearly done that at a high level and you've been very successful. What are some tips that you can share that will help the attorney entrepreneurs that listen to the podcast, maybe improve their business development and marketing?
1: I have a number of clients first that say, I'm a lawyer. I don't do sales. And I encourage them to really reframe and refocus their energy on that. Selling is not what you're doing. You're trying to build relationships of trust. You're asking people to put their faith in you as their attorney to come up with ideas, solutions, possibilities that are ones that they can really come to understand and see you as a resource for. That's not a sale. That's a relationship. And if you want repeat business, and if you want also to have people that come to value you, not just as a lawyer, but as a trusted business advisor, which is increasingly what a lot of lawyers do when they have that business relationship as well, that's what you have to focus on. The other thing I would say is, I think sometimes people get really concerned about, everybody in my firm does business development this way, and I'm not comfortable with that, maybe I don't play golf or maybe I don't have a lot of time on the weekends because I want to spend time with my family and my kids. And my response to that is you don't have to do your business development the way somebody else does it. You need to do it in a way that works for you and that creates an opportunity for you to connect with your clients. For a lot of your clients who also have kids and families and prioritize that time outside of work, focusing on what they need and how you can support them during the business day, whether that's meeting over lunch, um, trying to make sure that you get materials or information to them before they shut down for the weekend, as opposed to lobbying them something over Saturday and Sunday when they have other commitments. Those are important parts of business development as well. It doesn't always have to be a monetary cost or something outside the office. It can be supporting people in other ways. Sometimes it can just be supporting them in their own career, in their own business, Whether that's giving them an elevated profile, maybe giving them a position on a panel or a conference that you're doing, or seeing how you can support them in their promotion path. Those things are just as valuable. And I think it's important to recognize there's not one size fits all when it comes to developing and marketing your business.
0: Love that, Laura. Thank you for sharing these insights with us. You clearly have a lot of expertise in a lot of different areas. What is it that you're doing now?
1: Well, what I do now is I coach other attorneys and executives, persons in high-ranking positions and companies, a lot of in-house counsel as well, as, as well as some professionals outside the legal space. And most of them are in a place where they're trying to make a significant change, whether that's getting on the path to partnership, trying to get elevated in their company, or just trying to carve out more of a balance in their professional and personal life. That is a common theme. I know that's something that you talk about, um something that is on the minds of a lot of attorneys and other business professionals. How do I find the right balance? How do I leverage my resources? And I love working through those issues with people because I've certainly been there and I understand that can be an interesting and complex situation as well, trying to find that right mix and also trying to set some some guidelines, trying to carve out time, trying to set some boundaries, those things can be important as well. So I like working with people on all of those issues, and anything else that is leading them to say, hey, I want to make a change, or I need to adapt something in the way I'm practicing.
0: What are some of the things that you're really excited about, about your own coaching business?
1: Well, I like running my own business. And for me, it is a manifestation in some ways of the skills that I learned as a lawyer for developing business. Similar relationships, understanding the need to know the industry. It gives me an opportunity to continue to work in and work with people that are savvy lawyers, managing partners, leaders in their own law firms, leaders of their own practice groups. And I learn a lot from them. So in the same way that I learned from my clients about what was necessary for them in law firm life, I've learned a lot as a coach and as the owner of my own business about how to market, develop, and grow my own practice.
0: Love that. And Laura, if someone who's listening wants to reach you, what's the best way for them to connect with you?
1: I have a website. You can reach out to me at Laura lauraterrell, dot com. I'm also on LinkedIn and I frequently post there about things that are on my mind or interesting topics that are coming up in the legal profession. So I'd love to connect there as well.
0: Awesome, Laura, this has been awesome. Thank you for sharing your insights with uh, all of us. I found it really educational um, in getting your perspective. Thanks again for being on the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
0: And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage Podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Alej Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.